Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. What's going on, Ram Nation? Welcome in to a new episode of the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Say it with me, everybody. Off-season pod, episode 18. Uh, It's been a while since we've all gotten together. March 14th is when we did the last episode here of the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Once again, I'm Adam Epstein alongside my good buddies and members of Ram Nation, Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. It's been a crazy off-season. I can't, you know really even remember how we got to this point from what uh, I guess two months ago but um, I'm really happy with where we're at and excited about the future under Odom. I'm a Twitter guy myself and I swear in the last <laughs> there there have been times uh, Caleb and I uh, texting about it with each other and that times we, I've spent on Twitter just scrolling to find information be- between a coaching change between uh, the transfer portal between uh, commitments and whatnot I've spent a lot of time on Twitter Sometimes almost too much time, almost looking at nothing. But uh, yeah, the last two months have been interesting. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of ups and downs. And um, but hey, you know we have 11, 11 players on a scholarship now, so it's gonna be fun. Yeah, new world of college basketball. It's kind of like NBA off season news, like transfers, coaches changing all the time. So it's good if you're a fan that you're not just debating random stuff on Ram Nation. There's like actual news to talk about. It's almost like the NFL, where there is no off season right now for college sports, especially basketball. I mean, everyone was following the transfer window and the transfer portal, not just for our team, but for every team. I mean, Hunter Dickinson, when he finally made that announcement, you saw the money he was getting, Caleb? Yeah, it's crazy. NIL has totally changed the landscape, and it's really, it's free agency. How do you feel about the whole thing that they wanted two-year commitments? Is that something that VCU could you see doing? Uh, yeah, I mean, in the future, yes. Right now, no, because we haven't really figured out our NIL fund and how we want to operate it, but I think that that's... Uh, you know, where some schools are going to have competitive advantages and how the Power Fives are going to probably hold on to, uh, you know, their, their, their stronghold of college basketball. We don't have football, so that's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> that's, that's all yeah. I'm going to say about that. It how definitely much, helps. How much did Hunter Dickinson get? It was like, what, $4 million, $2 million a year or something like that? That's the rumors I heard. I don't and know. It, he was getting like, I think like Michigan was paying him like ten grand or something, so it was a massive difference. No way, really? It was low, yeah. Michigan apparently strapped, but... That's because they're giving all their money to football. Yeah. So. That's so interesting. So you guys know us as four diehard VCU basketball fans, but what do we do in the offseason? Well, I'll start. I've been focusing in on the NBA. I love basketball, so I couldn't get away uh, from, fro- pro- from pro ball here. And I've been kind of a Sixers fan, and so I don't know why I chose to root for them, Chris. You know, that kind of broke my heart when Joel Embiid decided to not show up in, in Game 7. Uh, but I have been really enjoying the NBA playoffs. Same here. Been on the Sixers annual wagon. Uh, MB got hurt like usual. Harden chokes like usual. So, same as you. Playoffs have stunk. That's all I'm going to say about that. Really? I, I think most I people think, would say it's been like the best playoffs in 10 well, years. Western and Eastern Conference Finals have been... Stinks. I mean... Stinks. There's I'm, been some good drama. But. Yeah. 
stinks, and that's all I'm going to say. Really? So you don't think the second round was entertaining? I'm sorry that your boy Tim Duncan and the Spurs weren't in it, but that was there was game sevens on the East and West. Yeah, it was predictable. It was predictable the Sixers were going to lose. No offense, Chris, but like we could all see that one coming. You know, like sure, it, the, yeah. the script was there. I'm uh, sure it's so predictable that we have an eight seed in Miami Heat, yeah. Miami Heat about G- to get to the finals. Jimmy Butler's hungry right now, so <laughs> it's scripted. That's why we like college basketball. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, fun. we had a four versus five seed in this play title game, but uh, yeah, things I've been doing. Uh, let's see, you know, planning planning a wedding about five and a half months out. Uh, still working on that bachelor trip this, this summer in Chicago. It's gonna be pretty fun. <laughs> um, that and then uh, watching the Cubs have a positive run differential, but be six games under five hundred because baseball is kind of a funky sport. So that's been fun. And then uh, scrolling Twitter, uh, looking at recruits and uh, texting Caleb every time we even get a little even get a little mention somewhere uh, on a, on a recruit or a uh, a, tra- a potential transfer. So. That's yeah. what I've been doing. Just upping your stalking abilities over the summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, I've been – got some yard projects, so knocking out a deck and uh, – It makes some, you sound so old saying that. Well, I'm the elder state, statesman here, so <laughs> it makes sense. Um, I, too, have a wedding in October, so been planning that, which is exciting. So. And I know both of your guys' uh, future wives love the pod. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got to support. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Morgan, like, two years ago – Honestly, three or four years ago at this point, it was kind of like, you you know, you should do something with VCU basketball. And I was like, eh, you know, I don't have the, the sources and whatnot. And then Adam moved back to Richmond for his job and things worked out. So I agree. She was the one who kind of first put it in my ear. And uh, yeah, so I'll be she totally transparent. Claire has never listened to an episode. She claimed think. at the baseball game that she's heard three to four episodes. Yeah, I've made her listen to some segments <laughs> when, when I bring her up, but that's about it. <laughs> Uh, well, we love the support from them, and we love the support that we got from everyone. Really, like, uh, I think it's so cool how we had people tweeting us, hey, is there going to be emergency pod? I mean, we're just four guys that enjoy talking VCU basketball and enjoy hanging out, and uh, we've got big plans for Season 2. Yeah, I will say that we did want to do an emergency pod, and then information just kept coming out. Things kept changing. Uh, so, yeah, we, we were kind of taking our time to get let all the let all the dust settle before we really – Spoke on everything. We got merch too. Shout out to Ted in Colorado making a professor shirt that I'm wearing right now. Such a, such a quality graphic tee. I was so glad he shipped to New York in that. Uh, kind of like what Caleb said. There's been like four or five times we wanted to do a pod. But it was kind of like I don't really want to. The first week of April, I don't want to chat about like one or two players. Let's uh, you know, let's let's, let's go with more information and give you a better a better uh, a better product to, uh, yeah. to listen to. So, so it's not like we have a full roster, but uh, we do have a lot more guys than we had uh, back in March when there was the mass exodus. Uh, and that brings me right here to AWOD's Energy. It's time for AWOD's Energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week? So here's what I've got Energy for right now. Is I feel like a lot of people that listen to this podcast they want us to trash Mike Rhodes. They want us to talk about how terrible his offense was. They wanted to talk about how the team was 5-4 and four and how if he didn't make that adjustment to pulling Jameer Watkins out of the starting lineup, we would have had a bad season. And they probably want us to trash his decision to go to Penn State. But my energy is actually not against Mike Rhodes. It's against the Atlantic 10 after listening to his comments on the John Rothstein podcast. And I really believe the reason Mike Rhodes left VCU left this program is to be in the Big Ten, to be in a conference that will be a multiple bid league, not just a three bid league, but a five, six, seven, eight bid league. And that was the biggest issue is that this VCU team won the conference by three games, 
won the Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament in Brooklyn, all right, in exciting fashion, and then got a 12 seed. And yes, we lost in the in the NCAA tournament in the first round, but it's that 12 seed that I felt disrespectful about, and I guarantee you it was on the back of Mike Rhodes' mind when he was getting offers from Penn State, multiple million-dollar offers. Yeah, I think the, the conference affiliation weighed heavily on Mike Rhodes' mind when he was making the decision. I, I do think that he feels a little more comfortable at Penn um, and that he feels that it might be a little easier to make the tournament because you have a little easier. I mean, you have—it's it's a joke. They're going to get into the—they might be eleven and eleven in conference play. And get into it. I mean, historically, we've seen that that's the case. You know, pretty much every season, there's a five hundred Big Ten team that gets in, even sub five hundred. Um, so yeah, I think that he—you know—if you get to play Purdue and uh, you know some of these big Big, big Ten schools multiple times, and you have a, a shot to beat somebody. Uh, with really good metrics, and obviously that's going to juice up your resume too. Money talks, BS walks. So that's kind of why he took the job, and I <laughs> can't blame him. But yeah, you know, he made some comments on Rothstein's pod, and it just it, it kind of reiterates the A10 isn't. When we joined the A10, uh, our sophomore year of college, 2012 2013, we had six teams, or excuse me, five teams make the tournament, and then it was six. And then for four straight seasons, we had three teams make the tournament. Since then, no more than two. And it's just. Um, it's a bummer. Uh, we're holding our weight for the for the most part. We've we're making the tournament, if not every single year, at least. I mean, every other year, we're at least making the tournament. We're holding our weight. Uh, but there's some teams in the conference, <clears throat> St. Joe's, um, St. Louis, uh, even Dayton isn't doing as well as they could. Uh, and these are these are programs that were known to be better when we joined the conference, and they're not making. They're you know, it's one thing they're getting snubbed. Some of them just stink. Uh, so, and you know, you're you have one life to live, and uh, if you want to if you want to make some dollars and have a better chance to make the tournament, do what you got to do. But I, I don't think it had as much to do with the money as as you're kind of making it seem, Connor. It had everything to do with, in my opinion, getting to the NCAA tournament and winning games. And it's so hard to win when you're a 12 seed. And if you look look at this conference last year, you know, Penn State was 10 and 10. All right, you're you're going to get a favorable first round matchup, and that keeps coaches alive. It keeps them relevant. To push back a little bit, though, you know, it really summarines your tournament resume is losing to Jacksonville at home in December. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, and, uh, you know, yes, we had some injury problems, but I, I think that Rhodes' lack of offense just really destroyed us early on in the season. So I think that he kind of has to point at himself here a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get to it, but there's yeah. some reasons to be excited for that. You know, yeah, the opposite did, of that. <laughs> he did say on the Rostin pod, he's like, there's no room for error in the A-10. Like, you have to be perfect in non-con play. And that's so much pressure when it's a brand new team. Like, a, it's like a high school team or something where the roster changes every single year. We also don't know how much work he put in behind the scenes to get the schedule that we had this year. I just think with Penn State, everyone's going to want to play them. And every game they have is going to be a huge resume boost. Yeah, I mean, you look back... At the A-10 in 2012, I, I think it was the first year that we joined, or maybe second year, um, we had six teams get in the NCAA tournament. I think, But look at the recent history. It's been ugly. I know, but I think using the conference as a scapegoat is a little bit of an uh, easy way out. And uh, I do think, uh, you know, we're fans of this team, and just regurgitating some of the stuff that we've seen and read, I think that things got icy between Mike Rhodes and the athletic department. I don't want to, you know... You know, throw too much skepticism out there, but I think that there is some some things at work that a lot of people don't know about that that really forced him out the door or made the decision easier. So as Mike Rhodes left, there were rumors swirling around that VCU had their new man, 
And so Ram Nation, VCU Athletics, uh, put together a press conference on March 29th, and for that we'll pass it over to the professor, Chris Mason. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, crowd rating. So like Adam mentioned, um, the VCU had a press conference, an activity in the stew that I'm grading, the 13th coach in VCU men's basketball history. And I was there in person for the Will Wade one. I got all excited. Um, got I was in the um, senior year, so the CT, I, went, I had my press pass and was down there interviewing him. Also went to the Mike Rhodes one, a little less hype. And then this one, middle of the day, noon, I was like, the third time, you can't fool me this time. I'm like, <laughs> I'll stream it, which is great job by VCU Athletics putting on YouTube. But they did seem like they got a... Um, Decent crowd. The Peppas were there. Um, Ryan Odom and his wife looked like presidential candidates, like super <laughs> well-dressed walking in. Um, and yeah, you could kind of tell everyone's like, okay, we've been this through this before. We know the routine. We know what not to promise. Like, this is my dream job. We'll be here for life. They kind of avoided those topics. Um, and overall, it was... Um, solid but like you could tell ed mclaughlin was like all right here we go this is like we got it down pat at this point yeah i give that like a b but connor and caleb later you can uh give the in-person grade yeah i thought he said some very interesting things connor i want to get your thoughts on how he brought up european style of basketball so uh you mentioned that vcu basketball in recent times not a lot of international guys but i remember as a kid this is late 90s early 2000s we had an international pipeline uh, you had two, we had two Russian players, L.F. Likolidov and Nesterov. What was his first name? Uh, Constantine. Constantine Nesterov. There you go. Um, <laughs> Good pull. <laughs> so we had two Russian guys when I was a, when I was a kid. Uh, what, about, a, what about Alex Stom? That was a li- I was okay. really young for he that. He was my AU coach. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then then from there we had Nick George, and I'm going to bring up Nick George later in this pod because of a certain player that's going on our roster this year. But he's from Man- from Manchester, England. I strictly remember he's from Manchester because that's what it said on the big board. Uh, so we had international guys then. Uh, the, the games become so global. Uh, prior to the Jordan era, it was it, you know you had people in other countries watching it, but it's kind of it's kind of known that the '90s with Michael Jordan really you know th- that's the the '90s Bulls teams were the first teams to go on international trips for the most part, other than the Olympic teams. So you had, the, you had like Bulls players like playing you know, playing exhibition games in China and Spain and England and stuff. So you, the international games expanded so much, and the players are very good. They're very you know you in in America you have AAU and whatnot. Uh, you have academy basketball overseas. So it's important, in my opinion, that Odom brings a different style to VCU. Something that we don't we haven't had per se. We've had. Uh, predominantly American yeah. players. I mean, think about how good GW was when they were recruiting the international guys. They had the Argentinian guy, Yuta Watanabe as well. Patricio Garino was ar- from Argentina, and then yeah. Utah Watanabe from Japan. Uh, and then, yeah, Kevin Larson, Denmark. But a lot of fun teams, international guys. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs of the 2000s had a bunch of international players. And it's just uh, it's beautiful basketball. Heck, uh, the Joker is the, be- the best player on the earth right now, and he's he's not from America. So uh, it's just uh, it's 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 interesting I'm by Odom bringing already. We have he, he brought he brought two players with him from Utah State that are international players, and we've already signed confirmed one. Uh, one other thing about Odom that I really really like that I've seen so far, and our friend over at VCRM Nation Matt Shelton Need will really appreciate this too. 
we've hired a director of analytics. Uh, and that's Matt Hart, who yep. also played at GW. I, I'll be honest, talking about ATM basketball, I don't really remember him very well, and he played a fair amount in 2016. Uh, but he's a director. He's gonna be a director of analytics. So, as a huge baseball fan, which was kind of the first sport to really launch into analytics, that early 2000s Oakland Athletics are kind of famous for it. It's so huge. The you know you don't see guys shooting jump shots anymore, uh, and if they do, it's just considered a it's considered a bad shot. Um, you you'd be a fool to think our offense in the Rhodes staff era was quality. I mean, it was never in the top hundred of Ken Palm. Uh, we had good players sometimes, but you you there's a margin for error that you just you, you, excuse me. You have a cap. You have a cap. If, if your offense is not quality, if you're turning the ball over a lot, if you're taking dumb shots, there's a cap to how good your offense is going to be. And if we have analytics to kind of support an opinion, you don't have just staff members that are older and kind of old school. Well, not even just like just watching helps. the games, but like when you look at the box score, we would never have a ton of team assists. No. no. And that's something and you that's pointed something out. that's something I highlighted that, you know, if we got over 14 assists in a game, then there was like a 99% chance that we're going to win that game. So yeah. that, that that's one of the biggest things. I You, know, you mentioned international players, but also having a director of analytics who, hey, if he wants to hang, in the, <laughs> hang on his computer all game, all night long, do it. It helps the team. That's a great possession to have. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement about the Ryan Odom era already, and it's really just begun. And I think we should start by honoring the players that decided not to enter the transfer portal and stick here at VCU. And for that, we'll hand it off to Mr. VCU History, Connor Bailey. This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. So VCU had four of their 13 scholarship players from last year return to play. Uh, Zeb Jackson being the highest minute getter of those four uh, returns. And his eligibility, I think a lot of people are still confused. I think, as far as I know, he was listed as a junior at VCU this year, which means he'll be a senior next year. He didn't play much either of those two Michigan years. In the second year, he had an injury. So there's always been belief that he'll always be listed as older. But he like as next year goes on, he could, he could get a uh, medical redshirt, like a hardship. Also a COVID year, right? He, he's eligible for that too. But just from a pure uh, noting him as an athletic, his athletic year, mm-hmm. he's going to be more likely listed as a senior this year. I, I think – I think we, we we see at least two years from him, though, uh, whether it be COVID or if he receives a medical hardship or whatnot. So he's the first one I look at. And I like Zeb, and I'm going to kick it to Caleb in a second because I know he's he's really hyped for Zeb this year. But um, you look at Zeb Jackson. He was a freshman in the 2020-2021 season at Michigan. And that was the year Michigan was a one seed. Uh, and that, that was the year with, without, with minimal fans in attendance. Michigan was one seed. Zeb Jackson, I don't know if it was COVID or it was mono, but my understanding is he got sick early on that year. Was healthy, feeling good by February. Michigan's a one seed. It's it's hard to crack through. If if you were not a regular, if you were a freshman who wasn't getting any playing time in November, it's hard to crack the rotation come February. So he never got his footing at Michigan, and then year two had a. My understanding was a foot injury. Uh, Michigan was made the NCAA tournament as eleven C, but he just never really got it going. Comes to VCU, and at times it was rocky, but there was n- one thing we always knew about Zeb. He was always going to bring energy. His defense was going to be great, especially on the press was just excellent. And I'm intrigued to see how we handle de- uh, his how our defense sets up in the Odom regime. Uh, but for the most part, he was a good ball handler. Uh, was solid assist wise. Uh, Kempom wise was one of our higher higher assist use or uh, assisters on the team. Uh, Ace Baldwin always had the most assists per game, but uh, in, ter- in terms of minutes played, Zeb Jackson was like second. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I, w- I thought his shot looked decent at times. I mean, the Rhode Island jump shot was just 
beautiful to, <laughs> to see him win that one. That was a snooze fest of a game. Uh, so Zeb is the first one I mentioned. I'm going to kick it to Caleb because he had mentioned we were kind of we've been really bored with basketball and we've been texting a lot and you mentioned you want to, you think he's going to play a certain position this year and what's that going to be? Yeah. I mean, I think that he's going to be a ball dominant point guard. Um, mm. Yeah. Because well, Steven Ash, I think, look, if you look at Utah state this past season, it's going to tell you a lot about, um, you know, where some of our guys are going to go next year and Shulga out of necessity because of Rylan Jones getting hurt. He kind of moved into a, a ball dominant guard, Combo guard, I would say. I mean, they list Stephen Ashworth as the point guard. But really, I think that, that Shulga was the one setting everything up. And uh, I think that Zeb's going to slide into that one role. And what you're going to see is a lot of, of a lot of fast transition offense. Odom's known for liking to get a shot within the first seven seconds of the shot clock. Zeb is a blur in the open court. He moves at an NBA-level speed. And he's a big guard, so defensively that checks. But I think that, you know, we're going to get the ball to him with an outlet pass. He's going to push to either uh, the free throw line or take it to the hole if he can and then look at guys filling on the wings behind him, dumping down in the post, uh, and getting into a quick transition offense. And I think that he is the prototype guard for that. It also means that he doesn't really have to shoot that much. He's setting other guys up and using, you know, his best asset, which is his athleticism and ball handling. And I think that it's just a, a perfect marriage. Um, I definitely think it's his position to lose at the starting yeah. point guard well, position. Like, but also I think it takes a ton of weight off Shulga, and you push him into like a more natural shooting guard role. And from everything that I've heard, like Shulga can scorch the net. He just had the ball in his hands more last year and didn't really get that opportunity. It also helped that Steven Ashworth can shoot the daylights out of the ball, and he was more a more natural fit there. So I'm really excited about our one-two punch, at, uh, one and two positions. Well, I think for Zeb, it's all about confidence. I mean, every, anytime you bring up this kid, everyone talks about how he was a top hundred ESPN recruit, right? And and he went to Michigan, and we, he's already hit a game winner in a VCU uniform. It's all about confidence. Like Connor said, I don't think he has a bad shot. I think it's really decent. I think it's uh, as a lefty, I actually think it's pretty good form. I think it's all about his body, and because he's so skinny and so athletic. When he jumps, sometimes he'll lean left and messes up his jump shot. He needs more consistency and confidence. Yeah, you know who I would compare him to in the NBA right now? Who? Uh, D'Lo. D'Angelo Russell. Wow. Yeah. I think that they, they move so similar. They're both lefties. If he can dial his shot in, which I mean, I, think, I saw D'Angelo Russell in college, though. That dude was... He, tra- oh, he traveled in that game well, with I mean, BCU, too. That he, was the, uh, he killed us at, at Ohio State. He traveled. But it's it, it's it's the same athletic skill set the, the the skill the toolbox. I think he has to refine his jump shot a lot. But that's that's like the kind of that's where I want to see him go. Furman, Toby, and Fats. Who do you think makes the biggest impact next season, Connor? Uh, you just mentioned Russell. I just hope hope Zeb in the locker room isn't uh keep, keeping his phone out and you know. Running his mouth about his teammates and in their uh, their affairs. Is that yeah. a Swaggy P reference? Yeah, that was swaggy, that's Swaggy P right there. I think. Uh, Everything I've heard, Zeb's a stand-up dude. Stand-up dude, dude you know. So. He has a good, good arm. He threw out the first pitch of the Squirrels game. Strike. Yeah, dude, little yeah. cutter. Kind of had some movement on it. Beautiful, beautiful pitch. Um, so you mentioned another three guys. So Zeb was the easy, easiest one to mention because he has the, hit the best playing time. Uh, so you look at two guys that are going to be sophomores. And that's Toby Lawal, Christian Furman. And you can kind of compare the two because they're both post players. Uh, Lawal, I think Furman's, Furman's floor 
is higher than Lawal's, in my opinion, and it was this year too. Lawal's ceiling, because I don't think any, I don't think any, I don't think we're going to see it this year either. He is a freak athlete. We, I mean, between the dunk he had against Vanderbilt way back in December, he also had that crazy oop against Richmond. We know how good of an athlete he is. He he, he played some minutes in the HN tournament. Played, he played and, against, and in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that yeah, dunk he almost had would have been. Yeah, that would have so nice. been the, the dunk game. of the tournament. Would have changed the game. We were advancing to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it would, we, it, we defeat UConn too. That's how momentous that uh, dunk would have been. But uh, yeah, Lawal's got the all the athleticism in the world, uh, and. and you saw glimpses last year. Then sometimes he'd play against a big guy like like Holmes or Kamara at Dayton uh, or Coro at St. Louis. Just kind of a mismatch. Um, so I'm looking forward to the wall. Furman. I mentioned his floor. I think you give Furman a whole summer of just still kind of getting his agility, his 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 endurance down with coach with Coach Roos. I think Furman. I don't think he starts next year. I think he's a guy who could really come on as the season goes on. We've seen. My whole life as a VCU fan, I've seen so many big guys go freshman to sophomore year and make jumps. I think Furman makes a jump this year. Does he have a better VCU career than a guy like a DJ Haley? Yes. Okay. Because DJ Haley started a lot of meaningful games. Early on, he kind of phased out by his junior year, then he ended up at USC. And Mm -hmm. he was like a good free throw shooter at USC, which is a whole different conversation. I don't know how that happened because I think he shot like 28% from the free throw line here. Um, I think think Furman makes a jump this year. I think he becomes a really solid post player. Um, I I think that's going to be important. So my take on Toby is, and I really hope the point guard position is solidified with Zeb Jackson. I think Toby goes as far as the point guards go because he cannot create his own shot. He needs to be set up. Yeah, and uh, what I like about that is you look at Dan Aiken on their team last year. Uh, guy did not really shoot at all. I mean, he's he's kind of a lob threat, and he's, he's a defensive presence. And I think that Toby, um, they'll they'll try and get him to follow that uh, Dan Aiken's. You know, uh, how many Utah role. State games have you watched? I've, I've <laughs> broken down the roster to see you know who who, who might go where. Uh, you know, for VCU, so. Um, I'm excited, though, because I think that you could say the same thing about Roosevelt Wheeler. You could say the same thing about Furman and Toby. Like, they can all play the five effectively, and all those guys are very athletic, especially for the A-10 level. And what I do like about that, too, is, you know, with this whole new regime, I kind of worry about VC losing that, like, athletic edge that we've had over the conference and, you know, uh, and, and the national scheme. People think of VCU as an athletic, fun team to watch. And I think that keeping these guys has helped us maintain that, and that, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm excited to keep the four stars from last year, Fats and Christian Furman. They were both like top one. One was top 100, one was right there. So good to keep the talent. It's kind of the opposite of when Shaka left. Like all the freshmen, incoming freshmen, and like Terry Larry are left, but like upperclassmen stayed. So this is kind of the reverse of that. And also good to have the 804 guy, Fats, kind of. Uh, stuck around and started the trend for the AAU guys to come in. Yeah, Fats was huge, man. I mean, he recruited all the the team loaded guys back and, uh, you know, started the 804 movement. So that's cool. Yeah, and that's why. Let me throw it to Connor real quick. I mean, when was the last time we had this many local guys on a team? Probably never. I'll be honest with you. Uh, You know, we had at one point we had Bradford Burgess. Bradford Burgess and Brandon Rozell played played with each other for three years. So that's two 804 guys. Maybe like – Doles and Dominic. Uh, you know what? We had three with we had three Meadowbrook guys at one point. 
Derek, no, that's Mark, Mark Adams. I don't think I don't think him and Doles, uh, Doles and De- and Derek Reed both went to Meadowbrook. Yeah. They played together. This is like 04, 04. They, they were on the Wake Forest team together. The team that lost Wake Forest in 04. Yeah. Mark Adams went to high school with them. I think he was already gone by then. I think he ended up transferring to Virginia State. I mm-hmm. saw him at River City Roll like four weeks ago. By the way, nice. Mark Adams. Uh, so. But that and that was ironic. It was two high, two kids in the same high school. I, I've never seen more than two eight or four guys. Uh, and that, now we have is it three right now? I'm trying to lose, I feel like I'm losing track. Yeah, I thought we had one more because Roosevelt Wheeler yeah. and Jason Nelson and, and Phillips, uh, Bamisil and Bam, oh yeah, Bamisil. That's four. Yeah. yeah. So the, the the last guy I was mentioning was Chris, and Chris uh, beat me too. It was um, Phillips is is interesting. He was a top hundred recruit. We just and he had a good jump shot last year. He had a couple jumpers. And we then, were hype for him at the yeah. beginning of the season. The Black yeah. and Gold Report, he had that smooth oh, uh, pump, f- it was pump, a pump fake, fake and a jump and shot. Fifteen foot uh, jumper. And then yeah. he breaks his hand and then gets a medical red shirt. Uh, I'm glad he's a guy that he uh, easily could have just transferred and been like, hey, you know, it didn't work out this year at home. Let me try to get away. And he was not only wanted to stay here, but like you, you two were saying, he he was trying to get his, his his old teammates to come back. So I'm excited for Fats. It, it's hard to kind of grade him because we just didn't see him much last year. We're, you know, we're, we're, we saw some bad habits from the wall and Furman, like footwork wise. I just we didn't see much Billups, and that's why I'm intrigued. I hope he has a strong summer. Gets we put on. He's not a big guy, so he's, he's not going to put on crazy weight. He's built. You know, he he has a similar builds to like Kevin, guys like Kevin Durant. Why not? They're just never going to get big. Can you compare his game to a former VCU player? Because that's the thing is, I just haven't seen enough to give. You just give mentioned him Michael Doles. Maybe him. Kind of a little bit. Tall, I think he's a little. Uh, I think he's a little more athletic. Maybe a little more explosive. Than it. I think he's a little quicker. Dole's, had a, good, Dole's had a good jump shot. He, he I mean, maybe maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe Jameer even. But mm. What um, about like a skinny Travion? Eh, Travion's a... He, so, he, I, I can't picture it. Travion I, scored so much around the basket. I don't yeah. think that... I don't, that's I, don't think where, that's, I don't think that's that's where Fats is going to get his easy buckets. Yeah, like I'm going Dole's off the bat. He's the first okay. one, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. All but, right, so our boy... Fats Billups started the trend of several other 804 players uh, coming home. It's coming home to play for VCU. Did you get that reference? No. Oh, come on now. Is this it is Eng- a soccer England? Yeah. So, yeah. There you go, Chris. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Uh, so let's hand it off to the stat monster. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the stat monster. Yeah, carrying on the topic of our roster construction, um, I feel like there's you know three waves outside of the local guys that stayed. Uh, the first being Utah State guys uh, following Ryan Odom from Utah State to here at VCU, uh, Max Sholga and Sean Barstow, uh, both two starters on a pretty much a top thirty team uh, in the country last year in a tournament team. So very excited to have them. And I I can't understand. You know, overstate how important it is to have those guys uh, to kind of just show the system offensively to to the other players um, and two guys that are that are proven and know how to run it. Um, Do both of them get into the starting lineup? Absolutely. Yep. I yes. Think, I think Sholga starts at two, and I think Bearstow will start at four, um, maybe three, but I think four. Uh, I think we run one big and uh, four guards. They list Barristow as a guard, but I mean he's six nine, six eight. So um, I think that'll be plenty of size for the A ten. I mean maybe if we run up against somebody and it's a huge matchup, but even still, I think he's the four. How athletic are these guys? You mentioned how yeah. VCU's athleticism puts them above that, the rest. That's a good. That's a good question. Um, Barristow, uh, unassumingly, very athletic. He won a dunk contest. Uh, I think 
Uh, I think it was just in the state of Utah. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was a Utah state. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. And I, <laughs> Chris yeah. is like, that's a, that's a fake dunk contest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. No. Yeah, let's uh, do one in LA. Yeah, I was. In, I, was in, <laughs> I saw one of his dunks. It was, it was pretty slick. Okay. Pretty slick. We were, the, um, we were playing pool basketball when I was in Moab, Utah last summer. Like, it, there's plenty of basketball out there, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, no, I mean, then Shulga's solid. Just a strong player, and I think that he is what they call a three-level scorer. He can shoot the ball very well from deep. I think he's got a nice little mid-range, and he can get to the ball to the rack. He can get the ball to the rack, and uh, he's a good free-throw shooter, too. He's uh, very good at getting fouled. So, Give me that. Give me a good free-throw shooter. Yeah, and he's a good ball handler. I mean, between those two, uh, yeah, we got a solid two out of our starting five. Um, and then we have the internationals. Um, so... I guess I'll start with seniority. Kawani Kawani, a transfer from Cal. I've been watching his game, and I think it's very similar to Bearstow's. Um, may I think that he comes off the bench. Maybe he starts at four. Um, but, yeah, very similar. He operates a lot like a guard. He's not going to post up, but he's long and can play some defense and rebound. So, I mean, yeah, you get a you get a nine points per game guy from – Power five school. That, I mean, that might be coming off the bench. That, that's pretty legit signing. Give me a little bit more about his game. From I, I mean, I just look at. I see like Michael Gilmore. Does that make sense? Yeah, at all? that's a really good comparison. Solid. Yeah, yeah. totally. Two K. That's what we're calling him. 2K? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what they called him at Cal. Yeah, apparently, two K uh, or K two the mountain. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's two K. I think. Um, all right. So then we uh, in this this recruiting. I was on hot. I really, really wanted this guy. Confirmed. He was, he was I all was looking him. at his mom's Instagram. Confirmed. I saw he did that. like uh, an image two days prior. I posted it on Twitter and then I took it off because I didn't want to spill the beans and ruin everyone at Dayton's day. But uh Oh Dayton saw it. <laughs> uh, no one uh, Connor's the only one I shared this with. Yeah, he was <laughs> it was confidential. But um yeah, anyways, no, Michael Bell I'm really excited about. Um I think that he can I mean, the sky's the limit for that guy. He's got an NBA body already. Um, he's playing at a very high level over in Europe. Yeah, just to give a background, he played pro this year in France. That's correct? right. Yeah. So how is he eligible? Like, So he plays in an under-20 league over okay. there, which is uh, – I don't even know what you'd really compare it to here. There's not really a comparison. So that's what but I, it's a high level. It's, like, it's yeah. a high level, but he was getting past people with ease and didn't look like from the highlights I saw there was much rim protection. So he did play uh, very, very limited minutes. I think he averaged like a point a game, but he was playing at the top level um, in some games too. I think he played. I don't know if he Wim- played against Wim- Wim- He played against Wimby. Yeah, yeah. I saw that highlight. Yeah. So I, mean, I think he played like two minutes in that game. He also, he, I mean, he had a. I think he might have been the leading scorer against Bronny James. Like he's not uh, the Sierra Canyon team that Bronny James is on. I mean, he, they've they've played good competition and he's done well against that. Um, so yeah, I mean, really excited about him. Um, and, yeah, the, Toby LaWall, we can probably give a little bit of a hat tip there, too, um, for the recruitment of him because they're buddies from back home in England. Speaking I, of that, I've, I've heard another guy getting rumored, Jacob. Yes, yeah, so Jacob Patrick is apparently um, apparently he's coming here for sure. He's, he's in the playoffs right now in Germany. He has actually played in the first tier of the German professional league. He's a sharpshooter anywhere from 6'4 to 6'6, six, six, depending on where you look. But he played against Jaquan a few weeks ago. I mean, like that speaks to the level of competition that he's playing at. And uh, he's—I look at the box score, and he's scoring six to eight points a game. 
against that level of competition. I mean, that's a probably a day one contributor off the bench. What position? I'd say shooting guard, small forward. And and Bell is a small forward. Uh, small forward, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they, two I think, maybe. Or? I think he has designs on playing a shooting guard type of role. Yeah, based on some of his uh, social media interactions, but. Um, I think yeah. you got to be fired up for all of that. I mean, I what was it? Ram Nation. One of the guys, uh, VCU guys, tweeted a Broad Street bullies. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to get. I want to get that shirt. I, you, I, you mentioned Bell. Yeah. So I mentioned Nick George earlier. I tweeted when we signed Bell that he reminded me of a. He looked like Nick George on steroids because Nick George was kind of lanky, but he wasn't like ripped by any means. He was he was pretty thin. Bell looks like he's sculpted already. He looks like he's he's already been in the gym with Reeves for two straight summers, and the dude's coming here. So I'm ex- he, I'm excited to see him. And play. he's got a frame too. Yeah, like he but, he looks like he can. He looks like he can just jam on someone. And I don't I don't want to make this a bigger deal than it is, but it was down to us and Dayton, who was pretty much our rival. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, in in terms of recruiting the best talent in the A10. Sure. And I don't even think it was particularly close. Yeah, um, he, he he clearly like I mean, Dayton uh, fans I, were giving up. They were giving up the last yeah like, yeah. I mean, hours. It, it, it was I don't know. Uh, just from everything I heard, uh, he wanted to be VC Ram over Dayton, like without question. So well, I that. mean, where would you rather live if you're coming from? That's that's overseas. not even. We, we got Penny Lane Pub here. You know, he can, he can go to Penny Lane post game, you know, <laughs> and watch a Liverpool game. It's just you know, it's it's a good setup. But then uh, so last. The last group of this roster to touch on because I feel like they are segmented <laughs> um, are the Richmond guys. And hold on, before you get to that, Mike Rhodes was so big about family. It is going to be important for Ryan Odom to get all these guys from different walks of life to get along and not have too many clicks because, like, you could have the Euro crew, the Utah crew, the 804 crew. Uh, yeah, it's funny you say that. When Zeb threw out the first pitch the other night. All the guys were wearing like a, a foundation that they were pitching in honor of. And you know whose t shirt Zeb was wearing? It was a t shirt for a foundation that Max Shulga, uh, that he represents or that, you know, is one of his passions. I don't even know what it was. But so the uh, boys are already eating burgers so together. Th- they're tight already. It yeah. might be, it might be. You know, Shoga's Ukrainian. It could be Ukrainian. Right. Yeah, it has to be some sort of Ukrainian international. That's cool. Thing. That's cool that he's already, you know, he's, he, they're, not, they're, they're not even practicing yet. They probably right. aren't even living. And, and Shoga wasn't even there. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was just but doing like, hey, that on his own will. We're on the same squad. Let's, yeah. We're boys. So, I, I mean, I think they're they're going to they're gonna get together pretty quick. And, um, but yeah, so the Richmond guys, um, I'll start with Jason Nelson. Um, I mean, we've never seen it. A guy go from our crosstown rival to VCU. And uh, even though he's 5'10", I think that dude can really, really stir the drink. For I think he's a good change of pace for Zeb. Yeah, and, and he's a good scorer, too. I mean, like, you look at some of the box scores from this season. I mean, he, he can get hot and give you some points. But I think that he's, he's a really good facilitator. He knows how to play with people. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think he's really going to be turnover prone. So, I mean, I just love the signing. Um and then we have uh, Joe Bamisil, uh, who a lot of people might recognize from being at GW, uh, Monacan High School before that, and Virginia Tech. He committed out of high school. He's a top 100 recruit. Um, and then he went to Oklahoma and uh, didn't have crazy stats there, but he was what? How many did he average at GW? Do you remember? Like two year, the 21 22 season. So two years ago, he averaged 16.3 points per game at GW. Uh, shot 60 of he shot a lot of threes because GW's offense shoots a lot of threes. But he shot 60 of 171 from three, which is 35 percent from threes. Solid. Yeah. He had a huge game. This is November of 21. Um, if you guys remember, George Mason beat 
it was it was like Ken English's like fourth game. George Mason won a road game at Maryland, and this is right before uh, Turgeon got fired. But it was still a huge win. A week later, GW went to the final minute against Maryland, ended up losing. But Bama still had like a crazy dunk in that game, and he was kind of like pumping up the crowd at Maryland because they were booing him. That was his, he had twenty four points and a loss at Maryland. But that was kind of his coming out party. I mentioned Jamal, or I don't, I, I didn't mention Jamal Shuler earlier, but I will say, former VCU player Jamal Shuler reminds me of Bama still. Hey, he's always got totally. a smile on his face. He looks like the kind of guy I would not want to play against, but uh, there's some belief that Bamisil has not just like at Tech he was he committed to play for Buzz uh, for Buzz and then Buzz leaves and he he plays for Young kind of a weird situation. Plays for uh, uh, Jamie and Christian, Jamie and Christian former BCU assistant gets canned. Then he goes to, so I, I don't know if he's in the right system. He's a guy he can d up though. He's so physical. I think he I really hope BCU is his home and I hope he has 100 percent of eligibility too, uh, which we're not sure on yet. Yeah, I'm excited for him. He's a long guy. He's obviously got offensive talent, and I think he made uh, third team. I believe it was third team two years ago. Yeah, so, I mean, um, the guy can clearly play ball at this level. So, definitely excited about that and just another depth piece. Um, And, yeah, maybe he starts at three. Um, We'll see. And then we have Roosevelt Wheeler. I've wanted us to get him ever since he came out of high school. Confirmed. Wow. And he apparently was really close, uh, him committing to Rhodes. I imagine that – Louisville, you know, had a little extra, you know, brown bag money or something. I don't know, but uh, I <laughs> some, some Patino incentives. You know, yeah. you know how they do it in Louisville. I mean, it is that's a damn good basketball school. Yeah, it is. Not now. Well, yeah, <laughs> four and twenty six last year. I uh, I think that I they think still that, probably had a better shot of getting in the NCAA tournament than VCU if we lose to Dayton. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think Rose has all the tools you want. His talent. At Louisville was not realized. I don't know if that's coaching or what, but I think that he's excited to be back home. And I think, like we were talking about, that Dan Aiken guy, uh, Trevin Dorius is like the seven-footer that they had. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes, and I, I think that he's a, he's a good rim protector. Um, he's an athletic lob threat. I think that he'll fill that five role perfectly. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. I'm Adam Epstein. You can hear AWOD Radio from 12 to 3 p.m. You can get in touch with us on social media, Black Gold Fan Pod. It's Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, Chris Mason, and myself. And uh, for final thoughts, I was thinking we could throw out predicted starting lineups. I mean, is that something you'd like to discuss? Because I think, for me, I put Zeb in there as my as my one. And then after that, I think it's a bunch of transfers and guys that I'm not sure about. I, I like Joe Bamisell's, um game. I really like that the guy, Michael Bell, could get into the starting lineup. I think that Roosevelt Wheeler's a lock for the starting lineup. And then, like you said, one of those Utah State guys is a lock as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll go first. I think that, for me, Zeb's one. Shulga's two, Bamasil's three, Bearstow's four, Rose's five. So you have Bell coming off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, true freshman. Yeah. I think he's got a lot he, to learn. How old is he, though? I think he's like 19, maybe. I thought he was 20. Connor, do you I, know? I think he's a teenager. I don't, okay. what, what, he'll, what he'll turn next year, I don't, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. Uh, I will say, Caleb, I actually have the same starting lineup as you. I, 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 I agree. I think Zeb starts at one. Um, I think... I think, I think down low we have Barristow and Wheeler, whether it's four or five. However, I mean, Wheeler's not going to shoot three, so he's going to strictly play play five. But Barristow can get out and shoot the three ball. He'll be four. If Bamisil, we mentioned Bamisil earlier, he's, he's played three years in college at three different schools. I don't – I mean, you can explain the rules to me in NCAA with eligibility. None of it makes sense half the time. So if, if Bamisil 
Vanna Sewell is eligible. I think he starts, and I don't feel like he would have transferred to VCU if he didn't think he could. He would be eligible. I think. I think it's the everyone knows the loophole is if you can argue that you're coming home, you're yeah. going to be fine. Yeah, hardship, whatever the ruling is. But I think he's at three. And like you said, she'll get two. Now off the bench, I think you if if I think Jason Nelson could be the first guard at the bench right away. Yeah. But then you have guys like Furman and Lawal and uh, 2K. I mean, you have guys there, and then. Fats, fats. I mean, the lineup is stacked, and we still have two more scholarships yeah, remaining. We talk about we talk about Rhodes Army these past few yeah, years. Right. I mean, this is this is arguably a deeper yeah. team than we've ever had, even under Mike Rhodes. So, who is there of the guys we all mentioned? Who doesn't crack the lineup? Who ends up being like Christian Furman this year and just sitting the bench the entire year? Obi Okafor. <laughs> we, we still have two guys. Left. To walk on it him. feels like we're gonna. It feels like Patrick's gonna be the twelfth guy. Uh, the thirteenth. What about Connor Odom? You don't think he's gonna bring his son? Is he's coming? He'll be a, he'll be a walk on though. Oh, okay. He's not gonna be a scholarship player. Uh, the word on the street. I I would love the thirteenth scholarship to be a guy that we know for a fact has to redshirt. Maybe it's an eligibility issue, or maybe he, he's coming off an injury. Just put him on the bench, let him practice for a year. I think that'd be an awesome thirteenth scholarship. I'll do a counter argument to the hype. Um, here, so we don't. We've never seen any of these guys play. We, they, we just came from the um, eight or a ten regular season and tournament champs. We're all like looking on Twitter at highlights, like Roosevelt Wheeler averaged one point two points a game. Like how, we don't know how they blend together if they'll fit together. So, um, and I, I don't know starting lineup, but I'll just have to say shout out to the old team ace. Um, Kern went to Penn State, JJ went to Georgia, Jameer, Florida State, Nunn, Baylor. So that's a lot of talent on that squad. Yeah, Nunn broke my heart the most. I mean, I just yeah. think he had a chance to get his jersey in the rafters. Same with Ace, but Ace wasn't coming back to VCU. I think everybody knew that. I'd much rather him at Penn State than Maryland. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Jaden Nunn crushes me. I really appreciate those guys, um, and we will miss them. But I am very excited about, uh, you know, what we're going to see under Odom. Last thing I'll also mention, we talked about this, you know, to each other back and forth on social media, on Twitter, on text, and and because we haven't gotten together since uh, the middle of March. We were all kind of nervous but also excited about the transfer portal because of the Basketball Development Center. And I, I think... I think we won the transfer portal for the A-10 easily. And I think, look, we paid all that money for that development center. It's finally working, not just for getting these guys better, but for getting other people around the country jealous of the work that we put in and the center that we have. The transfer portal can be frustrating at times because you feel like you, you barely know players. At the same time, coaches aren't hired for – there's specific situations where a coach can be hired for a rebuild – if you have a good program, like, like if I if I heard someone say, "Oh, you know, Odom, you know, it's a rebuild this year," you know, I'm not saying we're going to finish first this year. He didn't. He's not coming for a rebuild. Like we're going to compete the, the top of the conference this year, 100. percent Like don't don't look me in the face and tell me there's a team in the A10 that like definitely has a better roster than us. I agree, it could take some time, but Odom didn't come here for a rebuild. In college basketball, you're no coach. No coach has leeway for a rebuild. You got to you got to be competing right from the start. And you mentioned the BDC guys will be working on all summer, and we're going to compete, compete for the top of the conference next year. Yeah. Agreed. So. Um, I think that Odom has – I mean, he hasn't been as head, a head coach as long as Rhodes has, and people are kind of wondering, you know, they don't know a lot about him. There's, our, Utah State's strength of schedule last year was 83rd in the country. Ours was 209. I mean, Mountain West obviously has a huge role in that, but he's been coaching against much better talent year over year than we have. So I think that he's ready, and he knows how to assimilate those pieces. 
like like Chris was talking about, like the Rose Wheelers and guys like that. I think that he knows how, that he's going to push certain these guys, you know, moving in a in a cohesive way. I think AD Ed McLaughlin deserves a ton of credit. Yeah, he was like ready. He, I mean, he, he has relation, the relationship from, from working at American. I think Ed was the assistant AD at American when Odom was an assistant. Um, so that's kind of their relationship. But I mean, he was ready to hire him. <laughs> Rhodes like wasn't even officially at Penn State yet, which still that whole week like was a blur to me. It was just weird. Yeah. I wasn't I, for it. <laughs> yeah, I would just say um, to advance in the tournament, like they said at the press conference, you got to have shooters if you're a lower seed, and mm-hmm. they haven't had it. Um, like uh, tons of shooters they recruited, and like Jamie Skeen, Final Four. That's how they made everyone's bombing threes. Caleb. No, I mean I love that you bring that up. Like every team that you see go deep in the tournament is hot. They're shooting hot from deep. Um, Utah State. Sorry, I mean I don't want to keep things going but that that's just such a good point because utah state was number 14 in the country in three point percentage number 29 in two points percentage number 30 in free throw percentage yeah and I mean, and, and look look the offense is definitely going to be improved because of the coach and the players that we have but also it's not like we're going to take 10 steps back defensively we might no. take three steps forward offensively and just half a step back defensively yeah utah state was 70th in the country and kim palm adjusted defense adjusted defensive efficiency and 16th on offense a 10 player of the year and a 10 defensive player of the year ace baldwin will love him forever a legend yep could zeb jackson be defensive player of the year he could i'm just gonna say yes right now he could <laughs> i mean that's why kind not? of awesome why not everyone, right? everyone else in the conference sucks <laughs> that's <Yeah>. my opinion <laughs> connor's throwing haymakers at all these Good. teams here yeah. dayton gw mason I hope we don't lose to any of those guys. <laughs> Mason's on. our little brother, and that's all I, all I got to say about that. We'll beat him. <laughs> How do you feel about Richmond's transfer portal, Connor? Uh, they, they, got, they, got the, they got a kid from yeah. Wagner. Um, I don't know much about him. I mean, Blake Francis was a good player from Wagner. Richmond won a few games. Um, all their fans with a bunch of white hair will only show up to one game, like usual, and then they'll finish at like ninth or 10th, and uh, Mooney will come back for the next year. So This is the Black <laughs> and Gold Fan Podcast. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM for Connor Bailey, Chris Mason, and Caleb. We appreciate you listening to the show. Go Rams, go!